So in Hebrews 12, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In verse 2, it says, Fixing, that means to consider attentively, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. That word for perfecter means, it's a Hebrew word that says, it says teleo, it says, it's pronounced teleo. And it actually, that's where it comes from. And it means complete, accomplish, so to complete, to accomplish, to finish, to fulfil, to perfect. And you know, when I read those verses, like the, I feel Hebrews 12 is a pretty challenging passage of Scripture. But I think that sometimes we are pretty good. We do the whole Jesus as the pioneer, author, captain, prince. That's what that word means. We talk about Jesus, I think, pretty well. We do pretty well with the whole Jesus as our author, captain, prince of our faith. But I'm learning that for Him to be the finisher or the completer of our faith, the one who brings us through to the end of our life, still in faith, it is often a hard and messy process. If there's anything I've learned in the pressure of the last, the challenges and the pressure and the whatever the last two years has been, it's that we don't actually have it all together nearly as well as, that we, as we thought we did. Can anyone else relate to that? I think, you know, I think we were, 2019 was a good year, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a great year. Just like a normal, old, average, lovely year. I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. And then 2020 came and I feel like, we just, there's like just, there was just pressure from all sides. And I know that really in Adelaide and South Australia, we didn't have the pressure like other people in Australia have experienced or other people in the world have experienced. But I actually think that it wasn't just the natural stuff that we were facing. It was a spiritual thing we've been facing as well. And that pressure is not just because of mandates or lockdowns or, you know, all of the stuff we've been divided over, all the stuff that we've carried in the last two years. I actually think it's been something God has been using to shift us, to, to sift us, to challenge us, to grow us. And so with that comes a not very enjoyable process, I think. You know, um, I was just thinking this week, um, Dave's obviously been away for two weeks now and uh, that's a lot of solo parenting and a lot of disciplining on my own and, um, oh man. So, (laughs) but anyway, Sam's newest thing, when I tell him off, so time out or a smack or whatever, you can still say smack on the live stream, right? Good. Um, 2022, who knows what's allowed. So, um... Yeah, is that his new thing is he says to me, why are you being so hard on me? You're so hard on me. Why are you bullying me? And when you smack me, you never say sorry. <laughs> I'm like, are you supposed to say sorry for smacking them? Because no, like it was intentional. It was deliberate. It was not done in anger. It was done with the intention of correcting bad behaviour. And actually because I love him and want him to do better. And I'm helping him in his journey of faith as a six-year-old on how to obey his mum. <laughs> but even when you read on in Hebrews 12, it says this. In verse 10, it says, But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. It says in verse 11, and everyone says amen to this, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. 
And I love this. This says in verse 12, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. That word for strong means to be cured, to be healed, to be made whole. I love that. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees and mark out this straight path for your feet so you'll be made whole and be healed. In Proverbs 4, verse 25 to 27, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And then it says in Psalms, I look to the mountains. Where are you looking this morning? I look to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. The title of my message this morning is Behold. Turn to your neighbour and say, Behold. Behold. What are you looking at this morning? Behold. In Psalm 27, it says in verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I love that, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to consider, to look at. You know, that word for behold means to, to look or to, to behold and, or see. It actually means low, like an exclamation mark, I think, like, look. Um, but I'll unpack that a bit more in a second. To behold the beauty of the Lord. In the Amplified, it says to gaze upon the beauty. That is the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And I really want to ask you this morning, when's the last time you gazed upon, that you beheld the beauty of the Lord? I think sometimes we get very busy doing all the things we know we're supposed to do. Like, you know, and they're all good things. We worship, we pray, we read our Bible, we, we do all the spiritual disciplines. But when's the last time you stopped and beheld the beauty of the Lord and looked to Him and allowed Him to look at you. You know, the, the word for behold um, is the word idu. And it's a word that we rarely use today. If you, read, if you read the Bible in the New Living or the NIV or some of the more modern translations, it's not even in there. They literally leave it out. When you look at maybe some of the more traditional ones, it's often not recorded as behold. It might say look or see or something like that. But the time the new, sorry, at the time the King James Bible was written in 1611, it was a fairly common word that meant to look or to direct the eyes to an object. So it's kind of an archaic word. Um, but yeah, the Good News translation, the NIV, completely ignore the word. They don't even translate it. They literally leave it out of the translation. And it's lost in those translations. The best translation of this word would be to look here or to look now. Um, or sometimes we might say things like to look here or look at this or see this. In our, cor- in our current kind of language, um, we might say something like check this out or listen up or pay attention. So it's kind of like when you're writing, you'd have it in print, you know, like bold print or italics or underlined or I was trying to think of how you do it in emojis, like the two little like eye emojis, you know, they're the ones that are looking. That's what it's getting your attention. What are you getting, giving your attention to? And so when I think about this word behold, It's a call to keep our eyes open, to make sure we are seeing clearly and truthfully so that we can make decisions that will glorify God. The result of beholding is 
revelation. The result of beholding to look at the beauty of the Lord is to reveal who Jesus is. It's a revelation of who Jesus is. And so when I think about who Jesus is, I'm not looking to Jesus for healing. I'm looking to Him as my healer. When when I think about Jesus as who He is, I'm not looking to Him for provision, but as my provider. When I'm looking to Jesus for strength, but as the God who sees me, not looking to Jesus for redemption, but as my Redeemer. This morning, how are you looking at Jesus? Are you looking at Him? Are you fixing your eyes on Him, the perfecter of your faith? What are you looking at this morning? In the New Testament, there are 218 verses. You wouldn't even know this if you have it in like a modern translation, but there are 218 verses in the New Testament that contain the word behold. It's all through the New Testament. I'm going to unpack every single one of them with you this morning. No, not really. I want to have a look at six this morning in the book of Luke. And so when we talk about this, look at this, pay attention to this, check this out. These are six things to behold that we see in the book of Luke. We turn to Luke 2 and we're going to go with it on the screens because my Bible is a New Living Translation and doesn't have behold in it. So that's tricky. Um, Six things to behold. In Luke 2 in verse 10, we see the angel. He says, he, yeah, he, (laughs) just checking. Yep, angel, boy. Good tidings of great joy. Good tidings. I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. A saviour, the Christ or Christ the Lord is born. <clears throat> In the Passion Translation, I love that it says it is for everyone, everywhere. It is for everyone. This good news that we have, this great joy that we have in the birth of Jesus, our Saviour, is for everyone, everywhere. I want to remind you this morning, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you are going through, that this joy is for you. It is for everyone, for everywhere. To behold these good tidings, this great news of great joy that that the Saviour has been born. In Luke 5, in verse 12, we read of the story of the man with leprosy. And he falls on his face and he says to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean or you can make me whole. Behold this morning, he can and he is, he can, is able to and he is willing to heal. I want to remind you this morning on this journey of faith that God is not only able to, he is also wanting to bring healing to you. He is able to heal you. He is able to make you whole, but He actually wants to. He's willing to make you clean. He's willing to make you whole. Behold this morning. Number three, we see in Luke 7, in verse 34. And I, this one is interesting because it's actually Jesus talking about what people are saying about Him. And he's, He compares Himself to John the Baptist. And then He says, you know, He's come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In the New Living, it says he is the friend of the worst sort of sinners. I, I love that. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we forget the grace of God. But I want to remind you this morning, for you, but for the people in your world as well, that Jesus was known. He had a reputation for being a friend of the worst kind of people, the worst kind of sinners, the, the drunks and the gluttons and the, um, I think in different translations, it says the publicans, like literally the guy who owns the pub. Like... You know what I mean? He was, he's known as he was, his reputation was, he's a friend of the worst kind of people. 
Isn't that the grace of God? That that is who Jesus is, the worst kind of worst sorts of sinners. Behold, this is who he is to to you but to the people in your world as well. In Luke 7 in verse 37, we see again um, this picture of the the forgiveness of Jesus. A woman in the city was um, who she she came to Jesus in the Pharisee's home and she poured out her oil and she poured out her tears and she wiped his feet with her hair. And we see here again, he's an extravagant forgiver of sins. An extravagant, he behold, this, this woman who comes and pours out, it says, because she was forgiven much, she loved much. This is the kind of God that Jesus is, an extravagant forgiver of sins. Who believes that this morning? Believe that this morning. You know, I think sometimes we forget what God can do. I think we limit what He can forgive. We limit what He can give grace to. We limit Him, but He is an extravagant forgiver of sins. In Luke 17, verse 21, we read about what Jesus, He says, disciples are asking like, where's the kingdom of heaven? Where's the kingdom of God? And is it see here or see there? But he says, for indeed, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This morning, I wanna remind you, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. You carry the presence of God, the spirit of God, God himself within you. He is within you this morning. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And number six, don't worry, I'm not finished yet at 9.52. <laughs> Shorter sermon ever. Yeah. Luke 24 in verse 49, we read, Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. So wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Again, behold, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Behold, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I will send him to you and I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's these six things that there's lots more, as, you, as I said, 218 verses. Um, there's lots more through the, New, for, through the New Testament. But I wanted to look at those things, those elements of who Jesus is through the, through the Gospels. But then there's these really, really powerful words in the book of Revelation, which I want to have a look at this morning with you. These last words that he gives to the church to, given to John. There are three more aspects of Jesus I would love you to behold this morning, to gaze upon this morning, to look unto Jesus, the perfecter of your faith this morning. Number one, it says in Revelation in chapter three, I know there's also scripture, but stay with me. In Revelation chapter three, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. Or in, my, in the New Living, I think it says, and we will share a meal as friends. We'll share a meal as friends. I love a, that picture of sharing a meal with Jesus. Like Pastor Phil Pringle said over our Easter weekend, so many, I love that actually. I think that's my favourite thing about the kingdom of God is the food, is <laughs> the dining thing. It's like they're having meals together. But you know, when we read about these encounters with Jesus through the Bible, in both his life and his resurrected life, was over dinner. It was him cooking dinner for his friends. It was having a meal together. It was the Last Supper. It was, it's, the, it's the great feast in heaven. You know, that picture that we are sharing a meal with Jesus. Because what happens over a meal? What happens over a dinner table? Friendship, connection, conversation, humour, pleasure, discipleship. That is the picture of having a meal with Jesus. This idea of connecting and conversing and enjoying each other's company. 
You know, I think we can so easily, we so easily emphasise the doing the thing, doing things for God over simply being with God. Can I encourage you today to open wide the door of your heart, to invite Him into every messy and mucky part of your life. There's this beautiful, beautiful song I've been listening to, a stunning song called Gravity that I have listened to over and over. Um, I wasn't going to cry when I said that. Um, and one of the authors who you might know her story, they lost Bethel, a Bethel worship leader. They lost their little girl at two years of age. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for her. Um, and, but they lost their little girl. Um, and there's a song that's written. She, didn't, she helped write it. It's on another album. Um, but she says this, that positivity can't be my shepherd and optimism is no solid rock. You know, we can't just like think it's going to be fine and hope that it's going to be fine and stay there because Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. He's not content to just leave you hoping or thinking positively or just being optimistic about the days ahead. He actually wants to get in there with the messy, mucky stuff and help shepherd your soul to a place of healing and health. You know, I want to remind you this morning that from Isaiah, he is acquainted with the deepest grief and he has carried our weaknesses and it's our sorrows that weighed him down on that cross. He's not afraid of that stuff. You know, he's not afraid of the, we think that somehow by us not taking it to him, he doesn't know, but he knows. It's actually up to us to open that door and invite him into those places and allow him to do the stuff that only he can do. Which room of your heart is he knocking on today? Which door do you need to open and allow him to sit in there with you and spend time with you in that place and just be? You know, your humanity, my humanity is not new to him. He knows, and do you know what? Your humanity is actually what he's given you. It's not actually, I think sometimes we flesh is bad, like it's all bad. But do you know what? It's actually you. It's what makes you you, how you think and how you, your personality and how you, you know, that's actually how he's wired you and created you. And it's not new to him. He knows the good and the bad. He knows the strengths and the weaknesses. He knows all of it. It is not new to him. He's at the door waiting to come in this morning. Behold him. He's knocking on the door of your heart. What can you open to him today? Number two, also in Revelation, says this in Revelation 21 verse 5. Then he, sat, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words are true and faithful. You know, that's a promise that he will make all things new. But I also believe that he is in this process of perfecting our faith. He is making us new. He will make all things new, but he is also making us new. He is renewing our mind. He is renewing our strength. He is renewing our thoughts and our attitudes. It says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things, all things. Do you know what I remind? I want to remind you this morning that that is every single part of you. That is your body. That is your soul. That is your spirit. It's not just, we're not just made alive to Christ. Who believes that this way? We're not just made alive to Christ. We're actually made, we're being made new, our entire being. Let's not disconnect our emotional health from our spiritual health. As well as being spiritual, we are also physical, 
We are emotional, we are social and we are intellectual beings and He's come to redeem the entire lot. He's not just come to redeem and make you alive, He's come to redeem your entire life, to restore, to renew our whole life, our body and our soul as well. I wanna ask you this morning, what part of your life is God wanting to make new? What part of you is He wanting to to restore or to redeem? Are you critical? Do you struggle to forgive? Do you, are you emotionally unavailable, are you, you know, are you unaware of your emotions? Is resentment, I can't even get it out, that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> is resentment building up in your life? Do you get angry easily? Are you insecure in some of the roles that you carry in your life as a mum or as a spouse or as an employee? Where Do you carry some of this stuff? Do you know what? I'll remind you this morning that God is making all things new, not just some aspects of your life, every single part of your life. He has come to make new. He's making it all new. Behold Him this morning. Fix your eyes on Jesus and allow Him to do that in your life. If you believe that this morning, you can say amen. I know it's heavy, so it's like not heaps funny this morning. (laughs) I'll try and find a joke for later. (laughs) Number three. He says in Revelation 22, verse 12 and 13, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is indeed the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. But He's also coming with a reward. I want to remind you this morning that when we hold on to Him, when we fix our eyes on Him, when we keep walking that straight path towards Him, when we don't let our eyes deviate, but we fix our eyes on the finisher, the perfecter, the completer of our faith, there is a reward for each one of us. Fix your eyes on Him. Allow Him to perfect and complete your faith this morning. Look to Him for strength. I love that verse, to take a new grip. Maybe this morning you need to take a new grip with your tired, weary hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out that straight path for your feet so you'll be made whole because there is a heavenly reward awaiting us today. Behold Him. Allow Him to do what He needs to do. I would love Daniel to come. uh, Daniel was playing, weren't you? Yeah, just double checking. Um, I would love you to come this morning and I I do want to take some time this morning to just pray and allow God to do what He wants to do. And I was thinking about the story of Peter and I think sometimes we look at Peter walking on water, we know it well, he gets out of the boat, he walks on water, he takes his eyes off Jesus, he falls in the water, you know. But I think think that sometimes we think that that's like the really big stuff, like the, I'm going to the mission field and I'm moving to Pakistan, you know, or... Or it's the big things, it's a big career move or it's a big decision like, I don't know, these big steps of faith that we feel like. We, but you know, I actually think with the story of Peter getting out of the boat, I think that's actually our everyday. That's actually our everyday. It's getting out of the boat and getting out of the life that we could be in and it's stepping out of our comfort and out of the whatever it might be, whatever it might be, getting out of that situation and walking towards Jesus, towards our wholeness, our healing, our completeness. I, in Jesus' Name, I want to encourage you this morning that when, we, when 
yeah, when we think about Peter, he obviously took his eyes off Jesus and that's when he started to sink. I love that God rescued him anyway. Do you know, he didn't like, he wasn't like, oh, you sucked at that, get back in the boat. He actually reached out and he picked him up. And I feel like that's what God is saying to us this morning. Like it's time to get out of the boat, but not on the big life decisions. It's on the little whispers of your heart that He's saying, get out of the boat. Step out of where you are and walk towards me and keep your eyes on me. Because when you do that, you will walk on water. And it's not like the big miracles. It's just the everyday miracles that we just keep walking towards Him and becoming more like Him and fixing our eyes on Him and beholding Him this morning. I love that story of Peter. I'd love you to stand this morning. I'd love to pray with you. And I would really love to give people a chance this morning to give their hearts to Jesus, maybe for the first time, but maybe afresh. Maybe this morning this is spoken to you because believe me, this was a hard message to prep. <laughs> I feel like God's doing in me something and I believe that it's for the church as well. And I really wanna encourage you to consider where you are at this morning. Why don't you close your eyes and why don't you lift your hands? A sign of surrender. And maybe this morning, it's now just between you and God. What whisper of your heart do you need to make to Him this morning? What part of your life do you need to get out of the boat for? What room of your heart do you need to open the door to and say, Jesus, come in? What part of your life do you need to give to Him afresh to allow Him to make it new? God, we wait on You this morning. Jesus, we look to You. We fix our eyes on You. We consider attentively You, God, this morning. ourselves to that process, allowing You to make us new, allowing You to com complete our faith, to bring us to the end of our life, made whole, healed and strong in Jesus' Name. every single person I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray for strength, for courage, for bravery, for a commitment to follow You afresh, to fix our eyes on You again, to keep our eyes on You so we're still walking on water in the little things, in our parenting, in our in our conduct in our in every area of our life. I pray God that you would help us. Heal our emotions, heal our hearts, restore our bodies in Jesus name. We wait on you Jesus.